uh, a series that I started last week, and if you didn't hear that one, you can always catch up on our messages tab on our website. Uh, it just framed up a little bit of uh, what we're doing with this series. But in essence, what we are doing is we're looking at core practices that can help us to become more like Jesus and to grow. Now, the aim of this is not to um, get really good at these practices and that's like, hey, I'm really awesome at fasting or I'm really good at prayer or I'm really good at hospitality. Like, the aim is to become more like Jesus. Right? He is our goal. He is our, what we are going after. And all the practices are, sometimes called disciplines, are just ways that we can position ourselves so that we can allow the Holy Spirit to help us grow. Um, uh, like a lot on a vineyard, I've, I think I heard last year, grapes can actually grow on the ground, evidently, but they don't grow very well. Um, but the thing that helps grapes to grow on a vineyard is a trellis. And it, all a trellis is is just a, is, is a support structure it's not, the, it's not what it's all about. It's not all about the support structure, but what the support structures do, just like the practices, is help the, the vine to grow in such a way that, those, that, that there's fruit. There's beautiful fruit in season and time. And so that's, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing as a church, just looking at these beautiful practices to see how can we integrate them into our life so that we can actually look back in six months, a year, two, five years, time and go, have I grown in God? Yes, I have. I'm more loving, I'm more patient, uh, especially with my kids. <laughs> I'm more, um, you know, I'm more full of grace. Um, I don't react in anger. I'm not triggered so easily. Like God has done something deep in within me in any circumstances that I'm more like Jesus. And ultimately, we want to do what he did. We want to be you know, his hands and feet in the world. And the only way we're going to do that is by being transformed by him and then letting that love flow out. So today we're looking at the, um, the practice of prayer. And I love the use of the word practice instead of disciplines, just because disciplines has that kind of um, negative connotation sometimes in our, our kind of current context. But I love the word practice because that's, you know, in this lifetime, that's what we're doing. We're practicing. We're, we're growing in our faith. And sometimes we won't get things 100% right, but that's okay. We're actually training together as Christians. Like we're, we're encouraging each other and spurring each other on in, in, in these, all these areas of life. And so I, I just love the way you, to look at, to frame it up like that, like just practice, like, yeah, we're practicing, we're growing. You know, that, that sometimes we don't get 100% right, but man, God's grace, we're, we're doing this. And uh, I, I really like this, what Richard Foster said about prayer. Let me just go to that slide, Ellie. Of all the spiritual disciplines, Prayer is the most central because it ushers us into perpetual communion or union with the Father. And there are various stages and aspects of prayer. Um, there's talking to God, there's talking with God, listening to God and, and being with God. But I'm convinced more and more as I pray and as I learn more about prayer and as I hear more about people's um, experiences of prayer, that prayer ultimately is, is about that final goal relationship. It's about this idea of being with God, union with God, communion with him now and forever. And I, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful picture of what we're trying to, to do when we pray. 
Um, I could do so much on prayer, and today is really a once-over lightly on the practice of prayer, but I just want to unpack today some barriers to the practice of prayer that I've, I've, I've noticed in my own life and through others. And then I just want to suggest, how can we begin today or tomorrow morning, sometime this week, to actually begin the practice of prayer? So some of our barriers... Uh, A.W. Tozer said, um, you know, what we think about when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And what he, what he was saying there is like your idea of God, what you think he's like, what his character's like, what, he's, what does he look like, all these sort of things. It has such an influence over us and our, and our relationship to him that it's foundational how you view God. I want to, you might want to close your eyes for this or just in your mind's eye, just imagine. I want you to imagine what God the Father is like. Um, you know, I think we, we generally um, find Jesus quite appealing and, and, and sort of warm and all those sort of things. Um, the Holy Spirit's kind of a, a little bit wacky or crazy, but, you know, we enjoy that as well. But I think God the Father's sort of an area that many of us struggle with in, in the Trinity as far as what God is like. So just in your mind's eye, just imagine what God the Father is like to you. And no judgment here, but did anyone have something like an image like this? Do you want to click on the next slide, Sonny? Is he angry? Is he a Zeus-like character about to strike you down for putting one foot wrong? Or is he like this? Next slide, Johnny. Is he like some old man in the sky? Um, you know, nice, but kind of impersonal and indifferent to our lives. Stoic, uh, sort of busy running the universe, but not really that interested in our, you and I, in our day-to-day -day life. Or, next slide, is he some sort of, <laughs> I should have put baby Yoda, eh, to make it a bit more context. Is he some sort of impersonal force, like in Star Wars? Uh, not a person you can know, just a force that you can kind of connect into. I want to suggest that the pic this picture that Jesus paints of the father and the prodigal son, for me, and I think fathers, is, is what really he's like. Next slide, Johnny. This comes from a cover of a book called uh, Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God um, by a guy called Brian Zahn and I just love this picture, I just think it's such a beautiful image of God the Father right see if you imagine God is angry, disappointed in you or worse indifferent to you you're going to struggle to go and pray to that God I mean tomorrow morning when you get up to go maybe you do, you've got your morning ritual where you go to pray and, and you get in there and you're imagining that grumpy God the father, the headmaster, who's like, where have you been? Or worse, like the, the dad with the, the sarcasm voice, oh, you finally turned up, eh? And you left the back door open. I'm not heating the whole neighbourhood. You know, that, that kind of, you know, like, here I am, I have to, mm, all right, I'm sorry. Like, if we're coming into prayer like that, with that kind of image of God, that he's grumpy or upset or indifferent to us, it's going to have an effect on our ability to pray or to spend time with him, right? But imagine, 
turning up tomorrow morning in your front lounge to the father and the prodigal son. Hey, Nick, I'm excited to be with you. It's been so long, you're finally here. And then I just sort of, in my mind's eye, imagine God coming out with an apron on. I've made pancakes. <laughs> with the bacon, the bananas, the cream, and the maple syrup, just how you like it. And a flat white. <laughs> Let's celebrate and eat together. And I know that seems like a bit silly as I'm sort of giving that example, but that is effectively what God is doing when he's spending time with us. Like, he actually enjoys being with us. And it's actually a biblical image because in Revelation, Jesus says, Behold, I st stand and knock on the door, like the door of our hearts. I want to come in and eat with you and be with you. Like, this is the, the imagery of the, of the prodigal son. And, and sometimes that story, I used to always think about it, about like, oh, it's all about hitting rock bottom and really, you know, struggling and whole massive areas of sin and then finally kind of coming back to the Father. And it is, it is about that. But it's actually, I've realized as I've looked at that story over and over again, it actually applies to every aspect of our life because it's even about our prayer life. It's even about like the shame and the anxiety we feel about prayer and our devotional life, that we, we're not meeting the mark that we're so hard on ourselves about that. And, and like, I, I've, I've applied that same lens of that story to every aspect of my life. Sometimes I'm the younger brother who's just, you know, really struggling in this area and hasn't come back. And then sometimes the older, I'm the older brother just going through the religious rites of doing something, but there's no relationship. It's such a beautiful foundational image of what God is like and what he's wanting to do. And, and that, for me, it's just been foundational for changing the world. I view prayer. So do you know this morning that the Father is delighted to be with you? Even right now, even when you fall off the wagon on Wednesday, he is delighted to be with you. It says in Zephaniah, he sings over us for joy. I love how Tyler Staten puts it. Uh, next slide. Our persistence in prayer comes from the promise that we don't pray to a reluctant half-interested, can't-be-bothered judge, but to an unfathomably loving Father who collects, I love this, who collects our prayers like love letters and our tears like fine wine. Wow. What a God. What a loving and wonderful God who wants to spend time with you. Even when you haven't spent time with him for ages, he's like, you're here, let's celebrate. I love you. The other big barrier I see with prayer is that we kind of see prayer as something we, we need to master or kind of clock or kind of, you know, life hack or get it right kind of thing. So we approach prayer like, we, like anything we're trying to achieve in life and we judge ourselves on our performance. We're hard on ourselves and that's when shame gets in and robs us of our relationship with God. Now, this, I, I just want to pause, actually, just in this moment. I was meant to do this at the start of my message. But as I was preparing this message this week, I, I just really felt the Holy Spirit just really putting something on my heart to actually just pray over that for you guys. Like, I know there's some people in here probably got, fant you know, you feel like you've got a fantastic relationship with God and you feel amazing. And, and if, you, if that's you, that's brilliant. I love it. Keep going. Be an encourager of others. But I think by and large, there's a lot of people who really struggle in their prayer life and devotional life. 
um, and I, I have, I know myself and I know many others, and I just, I, I just really want to pray into that over this, just in a moment, like Holy Spirit right now, I just, I just pray over every person here, Lord. Lord, I just, I, just, I just come against that shame or that self-judgment um, or anxiety, performance anxiety about prayer, that we're not getting this right, that, we're, you know, that we, we, we feel like we don't meet some sort of mark that we've put in our minds about how we're meant to do this. Um, Lord, I just pray you would just fill people with your grace right now. Would you fill and wrap them around in your love right now, God? Would they just know to the very core of their being that they are loved, not because of what they do, but because of, of you, Lord, and that you love us just as we are, not as we think we ought to be. And Lord, would they just have a revelation of that grace? Lord, would it be like, as Richard Foster says, you know, we're, we're not only are we saved by grace, we live by grace and we pray by grace. Lord, would there just be that, that, uh, that, that beautiful sense of your grace and mercy just over them right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. So because of that performance sort of aspect that we bring to these things, a bit like in our work and other areas of our life, we, I, I think we tend to rattle through our prayers if we are praying, like shopping lists, and we measure how good our prayer is by um, how we feel about it, or by like kind of the length of our prayers, like, oh, I prayed for an hour today, that was a good day, um, or I felt real amazing during that prayer time, so it must have been an amazing prayer time. Like we, we have this sort of evaluations that we, we put into, usually depending on what kind of personality we have, uh, around the performance aspect of our prayer life. But prayer is not about something to be mastered or achieved, it's actually about being mastered. It's actually about surrendering and about receiving and enjoying the Father's love. Um, I love this scene uh, from you know, Bear Grylls and the old uh, Man versus Wild. And there's a scene where he's in the, in the desert in Australia and I think he's drunk his pee by now or something like this in the scene. <laughs> so he's really thirsty. Like he's sort of wandering around, I've got to find water, I've got to, yo, I've got to find water sort of thing. Anyway, he comes across this, like, this, this beautiful stream in the middle of the desert, like this beautiful, clear water, and he just, he just sort of throws himself in there, and he just kind of like wallows around like a, like a child or like a dog would, you know, sort of just enjoying just like complete abandonment in the water. And it just looks beautiful. It's just a beautiful image of that refreshment when you've been so thirsty. And I just think sometimes a lot of prayer is just like about that. We are so thirsty. We are so hungry for God's presence. And then it's like we've been in that desert and it's just like when you, when you encounter God's love in, your, in, in prayer time and relationship, it's like, oh, just wallowing in that beautiful love and grace and just letting God minister to you is just so refreshing for our souls. Uh, Richard, Richard Foster sums up um, this well. Uh, next slide, Donnie. Real prayer comes not from gritting our teeth, but from falling in love. Next slide, Johnny. Don't laugh, church. Hey! 17 years ago. Going strong. Uh, love this woman. I even have hair here. Look at this. Amazing. I don't know what's the gold tie, you know. What's the fashion trends at the time? That was probably cool or something, but... 
Anyway, the picture I put up there is a, yeah, of, of relationship of marriage. Um, you know, we, Amy and I, have been together that long, and you know, we we have developed a, a really deep relationship that that sometimes um, we don't even need to talk. There's like these moments where we're in the car normally, and yeah, maybe just some some yummy food, and the kids are all quiet in the back. And then sometimes we'll just do that thing where we just like look at each other like, and just smile, like the corny sort of, and then Aviel corny smile back. And there's no words exchanged, but there's just kind of this knowing. Like it's kind of like, I love you and I care about you and this is a good moment. And, and we have that all the time. And it's, and it's, you know, like sometimes we have deep conversation and sometimes we're just talking about the trivial things of life. But... Like, have you put the rubbish bin out? But it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of, it's, it's both and. And I, and I feel like that's, you know, how our relationship with God's meant to be like, is that it's, it's full of these extraordinary moments and these ordinary moments, but it, it's this knowing, this trust, it's this, I, I've got your back, I care about you. Um, it's not this sense of duty, you know, I guess there's an aspect of duty in the sense of I, I provide for my family and all those sort of things, but we do it out of love, because we love each other, and that love gets deeper and deeper. And I think this is what, um, there's a guy, Strong Coleman, many of you know, um, from around New Zealand, he's written a, a pretty amazing book called Beholding, which he's talking about this whole aspect of just looking at someone at God with love and looking back and I'm really butchering his quote, but we'll put his quote up now. The best definition of prayer is, is my gazing into God, gazing into me, gazing into him. There's something about, this is what it's about. It's, like, it's about this relationship, about knowing his presence here at church on Sunday, but also Monday morning when you get up. Or if you're not a morning person, you, you duck into the toilet block or go to the park at lunchtime at work or you just get that five minutes in the car alone and you turn the radio off and it's like, you're here, God. You're looking at me. I'm looking at you. I'm enjoying your presence. I'm praying. I'm not trying to achieve anything. I'm trying to be with you. And not that there's anything wrong with asking, because that's obviously a, a massive aspect of prayer, but I guess I, what I'm trying to drive home today is about a lot of it's just about being, just being with the Father, just enjoying his presence, enjoying his love, receiving. And the fourth and, and last sort of main barrier, oh, sorry, the third and the other barrier that I think we struggle with is, is that we actually have someone who doesn't want us to pray. And yes, we, we play a role in that, like the flesh, like we're tired, we don't want to do it, we're distracted, we feel like, oh, it's not, nothing's happening. Um, but we actually have an enemy of our soul that doesn't want us to pray. I don't know if you know this when you became a Christian, but you, you actually kind of entered into a massive spiritual war that's been going on between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And yes, Jesus um, won you know, a victory at Calvary over sin and death, um, but it's a bit like in World War II when, when D-Day happened, um, you know, that was the decisive kind of moment at the end of the war that everyone kind of knew, even a lot of the Nazis knew that it was kind of over. Um, but there's a lot of time between D-Day and, and Victory Day a, a, in Berlin. 
And we live in that space between D-Day from the cross till Victory Day when Jesus returns one day. And so there's, there's, the enemy can get some shots in, hey? He can, he can discourage us. And that's, that's, the, that's his main tactic, that he discourages and distracts us. And so, yeah, we're real hard on ourselves, but there's also another voice in our ears that's saying those things too and, and spurring it on. Oh, you're not very good at this. Oh, you don't know what you're doing. Oh, just stay in bed. Don't bother. You know, oh, you haven't prayed in ages. Oh, God's going to be annoyed with you. Is God real? Like, oh, you've got all those doubts. Oh, don't, don't go to the Father. Just, just, you know, just don't. No, you, you're going to feel shame. No, don't do that. You know, we've got this voice that's, that's coming from the enemy that's speaking lies to us, that's partnering with the flesh that's in us that's also struggling with these things. And if we let it, it will discourage us from going to the Father, to that Father, that prodigal Father who's so excited to be with us. And it will make us feel like, oh, I can't do this. So I just really want to encourage you that, that to be aware of that. Like, like, we, like Paul said, we don't wage against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There's, there's a spiritual reality what, to what we do, and that includes our prayer life. And the reason why the enemy doesn't want you to pray is because he knows that's the very place you're going to be transformed. He knows that if you get into that space and be with the Father, that you are going to grow in God. And then you're going to do some damage in the kingdom because you're growing in God and you want, to, you want to share the love of God out there in the community. He wants to keep you distracted and discouraged so you will not go to that place. That's his main tactics. And we've got to be aware of that. that, that, that there's, there's that reality going on as well as our tiredness and distraction and other things. There's this spiritual reality of what we're doing when we're praying. And then the last thing is, I think, um, last kind of barrier to prayer is I think we just don't know how to pray. Uh, I, I'm kind of talking for myself I'm, as a millennial, and uh, I think this is true of Gen Z and uh, younger generations. There, there's something in the past where, where Christians were kind of taught how to pray, how to have a quiet time, how to read scripture, how to do this thing. That's been kind of lost in the last 20, 20 or so years. I don't remember coming up through youth group and church, people actually, I heard people telling me to pray, but I never remember a lot of people showing me how to pray. Like, here's how you start, and here's how you work. Maybe many of you have, I don't know, but in my experience, it seems like it's a lost art in the church, right? Like, there's a lot of people like, oh, yeah, I know, I need to, I need to pray, and I need to be doing this thing. But I think there's a lot of people like, how do you actually do this thing? And this is where Jesus, you know, we serve an incredibly loving but incredibly super practical God. Let's go back to Luke 7. Next slide, Johnny. So here we've got one day um, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And I think this is really critical to this passage. Jesus was praying. This is what he did as part of his lifestyle that he would pray with the disciples and he would withdraw and go, it says he went to different places like lonely places to pray and be with the Father. So there was something about what Jesus was doing in his actions that was noticed by one of the disciples. And that disciple asked him this question, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And I, I'm just speculating here, but I just wonder if that disciple saw something in Jesus's life and, and, and saw this kind of connection to prayer and what he had with the Father that he was like, 
I want some of that. What's that about? I, I think that's the source of your power. That this, is, this is the secret source to your ministry. What is this thing? Teach us how to do that. Show us how to do that. And I, it's, it's really interesting. Like the, the disciples never in the Gospels never say, Lord, teach us how to preach. Lord, teach us how to um, cast out demons. Lord, teach us how to heal the sick. Lord, teach us how to grow a church of 3,000. Like, they never ask those kind of things, but they ask, Lord, teach us how to pray. Show us how to do this thing, because this looks like it's the key thing to this whole thing. <laughs> and then Jesus is so practical, because he, he says, you know, he says, he says to them, he said to them, when you pray, and again, just like in Matthew 6, where Jesus says, when you fast, and when you give to the poor, and when you pray, he's not saying, if you do these things, like, at some point, you may do this, he's saying, when you do this, and I'm not saying this as a, as a condemnation thing, but there's an expectation from Jesus to his disciples, and there's an expectation to us here today in 2023, that Jesus expects us to pray. He expects us to have a relationship with him that's not just sporadic, but daily. And he's like saying, like, this is the expectation. If you're going to be my apprentices, if you're going to be my disciples, and you're going to follow after me, I expect that you're going to pray. This is going to be a core practice of your life. And I love how Jesus begins um, what we know as the Lord's Prayer. Catholics call it our Father. I love how he starts with, you know, in, here in Luke with Father. It starts with relationship. And I'm not going to unpack the Lord's Prayer for time today, um, but I just want to say I think it is such the perfect prayer because it's got everything in here. You've got adoration, worship. You've got thanksgiving. You've got gratitude. You've got um, you know, um, petition where we're asking God for things that we need. You've got intercession for other people. You've got... Um, spiritual warfare going on in here, like deliver us from evil. You got the help prayer in there as well, like, um, you know, Lord, you know, lead me not into temptation. I need you today, God. Um, you've got forgiveness in there, not only receiving forgiveness for ourselves, but actually asking for forgiveness for others that we, you know, need to, to forgive. It's got everything within here, yet it's only just a handful of words. And you can rattle it off in you know, like something like 40 seconds, or you can, you can pause after each line, and you could spend an hour, like a couple of hours, just praying through, thematically through all of those things. Click on the next slide, Johnny. As I just, as I just come into close, um, I, I, I just really feel like it's really important to... Um, show the means, like show how to actually do this stuff. And I've, I've become one of those people that I kind of, I want to know what people's devotional lives is. And I know it's kind of like a secret thing, but I, I, whenever I hear about what someone does, I'm like, ooh, that's good, I like that. Like I'm sort of collecting it like in my little kitty of different things. Sometimes I'll bring it into my prayer life. But I think as Christians, we've got to start sharing a bit more like that. Like, like how do you do this? Because we're all different personalities. We're all very unique. Um, what works for you? might not work for another person, but we actually need to share with one another what's working and what's helping. And, you know, I, I found this app. Oh, I, do, I go for this walk and I pray and I use this thing, you know, like, and then you're like, oh, I might give that a go. That sounds really good. 
And uh, I, I think this, from a guy called Rich Velotis from uh, New Life Church in New York, is probably, I think, probably the most helpful thing I've ever seen on, on how to start a prayer life. Basically, he's just like, how could you start a 10 or 15-minute devotional life? So he says this, uh, enjoy the simple presence of God in silence without need to offer words. Listen for God's word to me in scripture for this particular moment and thoughtfully express to God the thoughts and feelings of my mind and heart. And then next slide, Johnny, he, he actually unpacks how you would actually do that. So if you want to take a photo with your phone or something, or I can chuck this up on the Facebook later. I begin with two minutes of silence. I then read one to three psalms, followed by a gospel reading or a few verses in an epistle. I often write a prayer or simply offer what's in my heart, my journal. I, I close by slowly praying the Our Father. And when I have time, I spend an additional five to ten minutes in silent, meditative prayer. I then get up asking the Lord to help me love better. And, and you know, like, even that, you might think, oh, I couldn't even do that. You could even bring that right down. You could say, I'm going to start with 30 seconds of silence or a minute of silence. You could say, I'm going to read, I'm going to read one psalm. There's 150 of them. There's 150 days of the year done, you know. I'm, I'm going to write one sentence or one or a couple words to God. You know, give thanks to him or just give him what is on your heart, you know, and in your journal. And then I'm just going to, you could just quickly, you could pray the Lord's Prayer, just like I said, in 45 seconds, or you could take his, you could take time and, and work your way through. Um, I, I just think that just, that, that foundationally, I think that's just, that's just, you know, some of these things, you just need help. We just need structure to help us do these things. And I think sometimes as, as charismatics, um, we struggle with that. Hey, look, I'm, I'm a spontaneous person too. I'm an INFP. I, I struggle with structure and rhythms and routines. Um, but we actually, I found that you need this stuff. It helps. It helps to have good habits and routines and practices in our life and to keep doing it. I like what Ronald Rollheiser says. Next slide, Johnny. Next one. Sorry, my bad. There's no bad way to pray and no single starting point for prayer. The spiritual masters offer one non-negotiable rule. You have to show up for prayer and you have to show up regularly. Everything else is negotiable and respects your unique circumstances. And then he goes on to say, most days we don't pray simply because we don't quite get around to it. Perhaps the best metaphor to describe our hurried and distracted lives is that of a car wash. For most of us, that's just what our typical day does to us. It sucks us through. Prayer is truly a discipline. Show up. And that's the, that's the thing I want to leave with you to, as we kind of close this morning is a lot of it's just about showing up. Like a relationship, it's about showing up. And then it's about just growing in his love. And then it's like bringing these structures into our life to help us grow more like a trellis. So I'm going to finish with this last... Sorry, Johnny, if you just want to go next... Oh, go back to, sorry. Yeah, I just want to say, we also have these on our website too. So um, under the resources tab, we've got um, stuff on prayer and devotional resources that, you know, all those apps that a lot of people are using, like Lectio 365, Pray As You Go, um, Bible in One Year, um, you know, just things like that. And, and, and likewise, guys, if you know of anything that's really helpful, please chuck it up on our internal Facebook page or other things. Like, let's help each other in this. Um, keep going, Johnny. Uh, if, if, if you're a bit of a reader or you like to listen to the old audio books, um, these three books have been just absolutely foundational to me. 
um, particularly as we're preparing the series. Um, Richard Foster's prayer, and I li- it's got the best subtitle, Finding the Heart's True Home. Uh, Beholding by Strong Coleman, who's a, who's a Kiwi, and uh, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools from Tyler Staten. So both three of those books, the best books I've ever read on prayer. Just fant- fantastic. Um, but I'll finish with this. Johnny, do you just want to go to the... The best advice I ever received about how to pray was this. This is from Pete Gregg. Keep it simple, keep it real, keep it going. Why don't we stand? I'm just going to invite Michael up. If you wouldn't mind, if we could do the blessing song. But before we do that, I just want to declare some stuff over you, um, particularly in what I prayed about earlier. I have this, um, it's called a a love chart, a thing I read over myself in the morning, just to basically kind of, like, this is the heart of God to me, and I just want to, I'm going to read it to you, and I just want, maybe you just want to close your eyes and open your hands as an act of surrender, Um, maybe just put your own name in there at the start, and then I'm just going to read it over you. Whatever your name is, I am your good shepherd. I knit you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I am your light and your salvation. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you have nothing to fear, for I am with you. There is no condemnation, none. And nothing can separate you from my love. Not scandal, not failure, not losing your job. When people say bad things about you, disappointment, horrific pain, not even death itself. Better love has no one than this to give their life for another. And I gave my life for you. Remember you are dust. You are never alone. You are never unloved. This day I bless you and keep you. My face is turned towards you and shining with love. I no longer call you servant but friend. Go get him. And I just want to just pray that over you guys this morning. That is the heart of the Father for you right now. Whether, you've got an, whether you feel like you've got an amazing prayer life and devotional life, or if, whether you feel like, man, I haven't prayed for six months or a year or years, and I just don't know where to start. The Father's heart is the same for you, no matter where you're at. And he meets you right now. So in a minute, 